Amen. Well, God is good. Amen. And he has redeemed us. Do you know what that word redeemed means? That means that you used to belong to somebody and you've been purchased out of their power. We used to belong to the prince of this world, Satan. And because God paid a ransom for us, we are fully paid for and redeemed out of the devil's power, which means that we have the authority to resist him. He has no claim on us. He has no part in anything that we have anything to do with. He is a trespasser. He is a thief and he is a liar. And so we can declare him as such at all times. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter if you feel full of faith. It doesn't matter if you feel worthy. It doesn't matter if you feel like you've done something that you shouldn't have done. None of that matters. Because whether or not you feel like it, whether or not you, you walk perfectly before God and who can do that, you are still redeemed. That price was paid, period. That price was paid. It's the same thing as if uh, Abe is the jacket that you're wearing. I know you didn't steal. I hope you didn't steal it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Once it's paid for, it's yours. It's paid for. Amen. It doesn't matter if you don't take care of it. It doesn't matter if it if it's two sizes too big or two sizes too small. It's yours. Uh, because you paid for it. And so we are Christ's because he paid for us to receive all of himself. So today I was mentioning to you our topic is I am healed because. I am healed because I believe that by his stripes I am healed. I am healed because I believe that by his stripes. I am healed. Isaiah 53, 1 says, Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is the strength of the Lord. God has to reveal his strength to us. He has to reveal his arm to us. Just like uh, a person rolling up their sleeves to do uh, strenuous labor. When they start to pull that sleeve up, you know, they want it out of the way because they're getting ready to go to work for us. And so the arm of the Lord or the power of God or the strength of the Lord is revealed to those who believe. Amen. It's always available to believers. It says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire of him. It's talking about Jesus on the cross. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. It's talking about those who were looking on. He was despised and we esteemed him not. In other words, we didn't think much of him when he hung on the cross. But surely, the Bible says, surely is a covenant term. It means it's guaranteed. Amen. When you see terms, Jesus would always use terms like verily, verily. Truth, truth. 
I tell you the truth, I'm not lying to you. He would put the emphasis on uh, this is the truth. Those are covenant terms. That means that this is sealed in a covenant and sealed really in the blood of Jesus. So he says, surely in covenant, we have, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. God put those stripes on his son Jesus. God put that on him. God required a certain type of a sacrifice and only Jesus could meet those requirements. He was the only one who was sinless, spotless, and walked this earth as a man to make atonement as a substitute for all of humanity. The Bible says that just as in, in the first Adam all died, in the last Adam we're all made born again or made alive again. Amen? So there was a, a death that was passed on to every generation because of this, the disobedience of our first parents. But by the same token, there's life that comes through the atonement of one man. So if the sin of one man brought death to all, certainly the sacrifice of one can bring redemption to all. And so then God is able to reverse the judgment against humanity through that one single sacrifice. Verse 5 says, but this is why he was wounded. He wasn't, the Romans didn't beat him up because nobody liked him. And the Jews didn't put him to death because nobody liked him. Those are things that move people to step out and do things. You ever notice that sometimes it looks like everything's against you and you think it's people? But God has a hand in it after all. You got me? He has a hand and then he'll come and deliver. He'll come and set free. He'll let you use your faith to get yourself out of it. There's a plan of God always in all things when we belong to God. So there was a plan of God in Jesus' death. Amen? And his crucifixion. The plan of God was that, that we would free, he would free all of humanity from the power of sin. The Bible even says if the prince of this world had known the outcome, he never would have crucified the Lord of glory. See, But the devil's kind of anxious to hurt somebody. He can't wait to get his hands on people. See, He can't wait to put sickness on us. He can't wait to put iniquity on us. He, he can't wait to put all of his symptoms and things of that nature on us. But God... He was wounded for our transgressions. I'm healed because I believe that. See, I believe he was wounded for my transgressions. See, that's why I'm not afraid to own up to sin. I'm not ashamed to, I'm not afraid to own up to wrongdoing. I'm not afraid to own up to falling short or getting angry when I shouldn't or blowing off at somebody. I'm not ashamed to own up to that because as soon as I own up to it, then he takes it right away and there's no penalty for me anymore. See? There's a power in confession. Got me? There's a power every time you line up in obedience to God's word. Christians, you know, we, we, so, we are so good at hiding things sometimes. You know, we want to hide our shortcomings. We want to pretend like we don't do anything wrong. We've got to pretend like we have no faults. We want to pretend like it's always somebody else's fault. 
You know, that's how the world gets by. We don't need the world's tactics anymore. The Bible says, he who is forgiven much loves much. You see? You can have more love for people by confessing your own shortcomings to God. Confess your shortcomings to people, and they'll appreciate you, and they'll love you, and they'll respect you for that. And so when we understand the power of the atonement to bring us out of the power of sin and out of the power of the curse, we'll, be, we'll feel more comfortable in acknowledging wrong when we do wrong. We'll feel more comfortable in, in allowing God to get us back on the right road when we veer off the wrong road. We don't have to hide who we are. We don't have to pretend to be sinless. We don't have to go around uh, behind people's backs sleeping around and then come to church and pretend like we haven't done anything. You got me? We don't have to live like that. We can confess our sins. And the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us. He says if you tell it, I'll wipe it away. If you say it, I'll take it off of you. If you own up to it, I'll remove it. And so once it's removed then we have the power of the blood-washed conscience so that we don't have to accept any. We don't have any doubt. You know, what causes doubt is that our consciences bug us because they hold on to a lot of nonsense that needs to be confessed, forgiven, wiped clean, and you let God know that you expect to be clean. And when you're clean, you know you're clean. You're not trying to be clean. You are clean. You got me? You're not trying to pretend like, you, you know, you're right all the time. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to put on a front for people because you've received the atonement. Once you've received that, you don't have to pretend. It's all real then. See, once you got that, it's all real. You are who you are. You goof up when you goof up and you straighten yourself out between you and God and he judges you righteous. That's a God thing. That's not a man thing. You know, people can't declare you righteous or unrighteous. We should be ashamed submitting ourselves to one another like that. Wondering what people think and how they think about us and what they're going to think about us. Do they like us? Don't they like us? Do you like you? Huh? You get in your word and you start understanding who you are. And how to stay in the presence of God and how to stay, uh, have a, a purged conscience and walk in the power of a purged conscience all the time. See, and then you'll go through life fearless. You won't, you won't be afraid uh, to step out in faith. You won't be afraid. What keeps people bound and, and afraid and not using their faith is fear because their consciences nag them all the time. See, you did this wrong. You, oh, no, if you step out and do this, you know God ain't going to be there for you because you know what you did. You're always messing up. Every time you turn around, you're messed up again. Yeah, devil, and I'm going to turn the right Wait, Watch this spin. I'm going to probably mess up on the way around. Huh? But I've received the atonement. I've received it already. That's right, devil. I got to it before you could talk me out of it. I've received it already. He is my substitute in sickness, poverty, death. He took my place. He took my place. I'm healed by his stripes. My stripes mean nothing. See, I'm not the acceptable sacrifice anyway. 
You can be as sick as you want to be. You can have as much cancer as you want to, thinking you deserve it because you've lived a horrible life. But that will not pay the penalty for your sin. I'm just real sorry. You don't qualify. God already wrote the qualifications of the spotless, sinless one who could take away the sins of the world. So you can stay up and you can be sick and you can croak and you can just move on. But that will never pay. That will never satisfy God. That your sin is paid for. Our stripes mean nothing. So you might as well go ahead and confess the word, get healed, and go and live a normal life and quit the foolishness out. Quit accepting sickness because you're sure you did something wrong. I'm sure you did too. And I'm sure I did too. But we've received the atonement. Because my conscience is purged with the power of the blood, it's a blood-washed conscience, I have the will to resist disease and continue to resist it. You know how you hear these people when they first are diagnosed with cancer, I'm going to fight this. Wait till they start getting whooped up with their chemo and all that. See, that's because they don't have the atonement. When you have the atonement, you can stand against it and 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 stand against it. You take one stand one time, once and for all, forever. And the fact that the tumor didn't go yet doesn't weaken your resolve. The fact that they want to give you chemotherapy doesn't weaken your resolve. If you feel like you have to take and your hair falls out, that doesn't weaken your resolve. You resist it because you received a conscience that is purged from dead works. And it wants to serve the living God. You know that God gets more pleasure out of helping you to live than he does about letting you die. Man, Hezekiah knew that, and he didn't have as good a covenant as we have. Huh? God wants the prophet up and say, go over there, Hezekiah. He said, now, he'd have messed up for the umpteen time. He got up there and showed all these heathens all the stuff I bought for y'all. Bragging on, he got the gold, and he got this and that. And they're going to come down and and whoop y'all and take all that away because your king is on the wrong side of things. He's not acting in wisdom. He's not doing what I tell him to do. So tell him to put his affairs in order because he's dead. He's a dead man today. As soon as Hezekiah heard it, he says, See, now we've received the atonement. He didn't have an atonement back in that day. But he had a covenant with God. He had a covenant with God, and he knew that God's mercy endured forever. And he knew that at some point he could turn God's heart because he'd done it before. I like people who don't let they mess up, stop them from having a relationship with God. See? How did he know he could talk to God and get released from that death sentence? He'd done it before. He knew he was a weak man. He knew he was subject to brag. He knew he was subject to sin. He knew he was subject to getting the flesh. He turned his face to the wall. He said, God, if you kill me, what are these people going to do? You put me in charge of these people. What are they going to do? 
Huh? Remember, God, I did all these things for you. I can do some more if you let me live. I recognize what I did wrong. I'm sorry for what I did wrong. But if you'll let me live, huh? Prophet left the house getting ready to go get some some, uh, casseroles made for the home going. Before he got out the yard, God stopped him and told him, turn around. Tell that man I've heard his, I've seen his tears and I've heard his prayers and I will heal him. Got me? So I believe I'm healed because I believe that by his stripes I'm healed. I've received the atonement. Which means I can't receive disease too. You either have one or the other. Huh? You either have one or the other. If you receive the atonement, you don't receive disease. So we have the will not to accept disease. I believe in the power of the blood-washed conscience that has purged all evidence of sin and punishment. The all evidence of sin and punishment has been purged from my conscience. I don't believe for one minute that any blood-bought believer is supposed to be sick for any reason. I don't care how many years you abused your lungs smoking cigarettes and smoking weed and shooting up. and If you've received the atonement... See, the reason people don't get purged is because they don't confess. They don't own up. See, they rather rather believe they're weak and can't help themselves and let the devil beat them up and then they continue to sin. And then they finally get so tired of getting beat up, their conscience bothers them so much they they start to grow what the bible refers to as reproach (laughs) see when they get around people who have received the atonement they feel like this big they can't look you in the eye they can't sit still they can't be around you it's called reproach huh i was in a bible study with a woman that that had she had been a teacher in John Osteen's first church, remember when he first started the church, he had about 300 people. They were in a barn or something. Well, the second church, she, she joined there. And she had, she had begun to teach because God had begun to show a revelation and stuff. And, you know, she was like uh, one of the standout people in his congregation. Went to her head. The Bible says, you know, put novices up there like that. You know, you, you let them wait a bit. You let them stay under authority. You let them... You know, when you see people want to jump out in the flesh and all that kind of stuff, you have to rein them in and, and pull them to some discipline. So when they get out there, they'll last. Yeah. And so she got herself messed up, and uh, her husband, second husband, you know, she hadn't been saved the first time. So this was her saved husband. And, you know, they got to arguing, carrying on. Same old, same old, see. If you've received the atonement, when you receive Christ, walk you in him. You got me? Start walking in Christ. Learn how to forgive people. 
And so she she spent too much time at the gates of hell listening to the concourse, you know, back and forth, yeah. back and forth. Same old, just like it always is. Yeah. See, he's just no good like the rest of them were. She winds up leaving him. He was a, a, a musician at the church. So here's a ministry couple separated. All the people there tried to, all the, the ministers counseled them, try to get them to reconcile it too mad. Couldn't do it, couldn't do it. She winds up leaving him, hooking up with some guy who was married, and then her soon-to-be ex-husband hooks up with his wife. She leaves off, she drives off with him, comes to Ohio, and she thinks she's home free. Except she never confessed her sin. And she couldn't understand why, when she went to get involved in this women's ministry, that all the women treated her different. She just, and one of the women said, you know, I just think I need to pray for you. She said, is, is something bothering you? Is something not right? And Now, she had gotten divorced from the last husband. She had quit living in with this guy. They got married. But everybody kept hearing these kids say, well, I'm not his brother. I'm his half-brother. She had eight kids all together. So these women in the women's ministry started investigating and found out that this lady, you know, they found out her shady past. And she couldn't understand why when she would get around these people, she said, well, I got a divorce and we got remarried. We are legally married, blah, this, blah, that. But there was still something about her that bugged all the women. It's called reproach. You can't hide this from the Holy Ghost. See, if there's unconfessed sin on you, it's going to show to people who know better. You know why? God protects his own. He's not going to let you be under the influence of somebody who lives shabby. They're going to have to live right in order to minister over God's people. You understand me? And there will be something about them that will tell you, you know, something, something, something don't grab me right about this person. There's something not quite, it's called reproach. Until God removes it through the atonement, through confessing your sin, quit hiding it, quit trying to pretend like what you did wasn't so bad, quit trying to pretend like you only did it because he was treating you wrong, quit trying to pretend like you were duped into it and all this kind of stuff, and just confess and let God straighten this out for you. You understand me? God is not going to cause his children to have that kind of stuff imparted to them because we don't know any better. The Holy Ghost will alert you and alarm you when something's not right about somebody. They're not all the way clean. They're not all the way purged. There's something not right. They're too agitated around Christians. They can't sit still. They just don't know what to do. They're, just, they're hiding something. That's what that is. And you can't hide it. It's just like that big light glaring at me. It, you can't hide anything under the light of God. I don't care. The youngest saint 
will sometimes feel an irritation around people who don't live right. You got me? And so God wants his people to live right. He doesn't want us to live shabby. Why? Because we've been paid for already. There's no excuse for living like that. There's no reason for living like that. If you don't know how to get get before God until you know that you know that you know that you've been purged and you've been cleansed and you need to find that out day one. Just go back to Christianity 101 and find out how not to keep hiding who you are. How not to try and, and make up something about yourself or get easily offended whenever somebody says something to you. You got me? And, and live clean and live right. Free people are not looking for bondage. Free people are not afraid of stepping out. Free people are not afraid of any of this kind of stuff. Because they don't have that stupid reproach on them. And so we need to understand that God has a way to keep what's holy, holy, what's profane, profane. And if somebody is just being deceived by the devil, he'll let you know that too. You got me? Listen, all you got to do is understand. You meditate on this for half a day. That you've been purged, you've been cleansed, you've been bought. The devil has no hold on you anymore. He can't make you do anything. You stumbled and you sinned, but you confessed and it's over. And you're washed clean. You don't have to live like a pig anymore. You can live like a free person. Huh? People need to disconnect themselves from sources of sin. You know, if you know people aren't living for God, stay away from them. What fellowship does light have with darkness? We always want to make excuses for people because we like them. You know, I like a lot of people too, but they 100% dirty and wrong and I'm not going to have fellowship with them. You understand me? Now, I'll minister to them, I'll love them, I'll be kind to them, but I'm not going to jump in that pool and start excusing. There's no need for it. You can confess it and get rid of it. Why would you excuse something you can confess and get rid of? Once you start excusing it, you get stuck with it. Well, you know, I, I fought selling the sexual sin because. I'm not no because. You just did it. Get up and get purged and get going. But give me no because. Because you don't read your Bible. Romans 5.11. I've already talked about it, so I'm going to read it to you. In Romans 5, we'll start in verse 8. It says, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You were no good, basically. You added up to a zero. Sin, iniquity, ruthlessness, lying, cheating. Plus religious spirits. A lot of us came from the land of religion. Pretending to know God. Because everybody else pretended. We didn't know any better. He said, God, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood. And we were sinners once. Now we're justified. Huh? See, we're justified. Because the blood's paid for it. See, You can't undo that. You can't screw that up. You can't make that not true. It's already been done. You just got smart one time and obeyed God and it took effect in your life. 
You got me? So the devil comes and tries to nullify it. Tries to make you think it didn't happen. Tries to make you think it's something wrong with you still. He says, justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. God pours out his wrath on the ungodly, not on the blood bought. He has a future and a hope reserved for us. He's got plans for us. He's got important things on his mind that we're included in. For if we were, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Every day that you wake up, the life of God is in you, saving you. Giving you new life, regenerating you, restoring you, renewing you, renewing your youth, renewing your strength, renewing your energy, renewing everything. When the day you were born again, you were reconciled. You know what that means? That means zero balance. You don't owe nothing on your sin. Huh? Your books were reconciled. Huh? Zero balance. You don't owe anybody anything. They don't owe you anything. So you start off from zero the day you're born again. But every day you get up, you're on the plus side because of his life living in you. You got me? You're saved every day through his life. So you have added something to your life every day that you've lived for God. You're not getting weaker. You're not getting worse. You're not getting more this. You're not, you're not none of that. You're not, you're not, you're not. You were in the minus before you got saved. Now that you're saved, you're in the plus all the time. And it's increasing every day. The Bible says, though, your outer man is perishing. It ain't looking like it used to. Not looking too bad, but not. But your inner man is being renewed day by day. That inner man has the power to regenerate to the outer because it brings life and health and healing and medicine to your flesh. This is not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. We've already received it, devil. What did you want to tell me about? You want to tell me about people don't like me because? Well, guess what, devil? I don't care. God loves me. I love people. That's their problem to like or love me. That is not my problem how people feel about me. How could you be so weak? Walk around on pins and needles trying to say the right thing, do the right thing, all that kind of stuff. You did that when you were a sinner. You received the atonement. You received the atonement. If people can't let go, that's their problem. You got me? If they still don't like you, you've apologized, you've, you've gone to God, you've done everything you're supposed to do, and they still don't like you, that's not your problem anymore. Maybe they're not supposed to be around you is why that separation's there. You got me? Some people don't like nobody. They don't like themselves. 
I found that out. They, they don't like themselves. They have a hard time with the man in the mirror every day. You got me? Have a hard time with that. So they're not going to, they don't have anything for themselves. They don't have any overflow for you. You got me? So you pray for them. They'll get better. You know, if they love God and they're working on it, they'll get better or not. But it's not your problem. The Bible says when your ways please God, not man, when your ways please God, he will cause your enemies to be at peace with you, not like you, but be at peace with you. You know what peace means? You leave me alone, I leave you alone. And give me another cookie. Show me some love. You don't have to like me, but you got to show me some love. Huh? (laughs) Sometimes I just ain't real likable. And you too. This ain't no Miss America contest. This is the kingdom of God. Come on now. You got to have a Miss for Miss Congeniality, Miss Smile that don't quit, Miss Intelligence, Miss, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. Man, we got devils to chase. We can't be sitting up here petting up on each other and wondering what you think about me. Are you kidding me? You better love me because I love you. I'm healed because I believe I'm redeemed from the curse when I break the law. See? It's when I break the law, not if. How many days do you think you can go without doing something wrong? Huh? You can be trying your best. You know, I, 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 Coco scares the daylights out of me in the middle. Oh, she got so many barks, it's pathetic. And she has this howl thing. And if I'm really asleep, I'm like, oh, what, 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 what? Stumble out of bed and I forget I left the table somewhere or something like that and bump into it. Grumbling, complaining, you know, a little, little bad word under my breath. And dog, I, who got this? Who dog is this? You know what I'm saying? So it, when I, not if I. See? See, if I put myself under the penalty of the curse every time I did something wrong. I'd never do anything for God. You've received the atonement. See, you received the atonement. Galatians 5. See, I believe I'm healed because I'm redeemed from the curse. Galatians. Wait a minute. Is it 5 or 3? Sorry about that. I think it's Galatians 3. I got I got two of them down here. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah, 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You have been purchased out of the power of the curse. When you're redeemed, you have been bought out of slavery to the devil. You've been bought out of the penalty. 
Now see, this is important. Because there are some people, Christians, who think God forgives and he loves me, but they think they have to continue to be dragged down and degraded by sin. You've been redeemed out of the power of sin. That means that you can resist it. God will give you a plan to resist sin. You got me? He'll give you a way of escape so that you don't have to do these things. You got me? Some people just live sloppy. They don't want to they don't want to go through the trouble of finding out from God how to do things a better way. You know, sometimes you got little slipshod little habits that you do, you know. I have sometimes I get caught up in this thing. Um I'll go to the supermarket and I keep I keep my purse in the the little where the baby sits, that's where my purse sits. And so I'll keep my purse in there, but also put food in there. And I'll get out in the parking lot, and I got, like, one thing I didn't pay for stuck up. You know, makes you mad. So I'm thinking to myself, now, do I try to smooth this over and say, well, I didn't really mean to do it, so I'm going to keep it? Or do I walk all the way back over to the stupid store and turn it in? Or do I just leave it in the stupid cart and push it back over there and let the... One of those kinds of situations. We've all got them. Where it's a temptation to do the wrong thing. And you know it's stealing. You know it's one of the big ten. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, them. And so you know... It's stealing and it's wrong, but it's kind of easy to smooth over because you didn't do it intentionally. You know, it's like second degree stealing. So you being your own stupid lawyer, you're sitting there trying to figure out, argue on your behalf. See, instead of do that, just go take the stupid stuff back in there or leave it right there in the parking lot or whatever you're going to do. You got me? But see, there's situations like that that we get ourselves in that are tempting situations. And so you have to make a plan for those those kinds of things. You have to have a God plan in mind already before you step into that and get yourself all confused and stupid acting. So God, let me be more diligent to go under my purse and make sure I got everything and paid for everything before I get out here and have a bad conscience about I know I shouldn't take this because it ain't paid for a thing. You got me? And and make a plan. Like a lot of times people will get themselves into tempting situations, know they're facing temptation and not have a plan, a way of escape. And that's how the devil gets your mind messed up. So then when you go to pray for a healing or pray for something else, you got to. <coughs> because you didn't you didn't take the way out. See, simple things, simple things. You know, there are people that, that know people in the world that they used to party with. When you're saved, you don't hang around those people anymore. Don't tell yourself you're witnessing to them. Because your witness is shot already. Once you go on their turf, your witness is already shot.
I am redeemed from the curse when I break the law. My sin is forgiven if I confess. Confession removes it from my soul. Confession removes it from my soul. Till you confess it, it's still stuck there. Pride holds it in. God is not interested in punishing me. I am totally forgiven of my sins, faults, and iniquities. God is interested in shaping me into the image of his son. That's his only interest. You got me? He gets no pleasure in our so-called offering sacrifices and all this kind of stuff to curry favor with him. If we make offerings by faith in his word, he does delight in that. But he's not interested in us, you know, cutting off an arm because we did something bad. He's not, that's not where he's coming from. He already had somebody to do that for us perfectly. Because if we ever had to pay what it really cost, we'd be very short. We'd come up very short. His son is not sick, so I'm not sick. I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me. We are one because I've received the atonement. I will not accept symptoms or sicknesses. I submit to God, resist the devil, and I'm free from all demonic power. I don't care what the power tells me it can do to me. I'm free from all of it. Exodus 15:26. I am healed because I believe that God does not put illness on believers. On people who have the atonement. God made a statute and an ordinance. That means an an unchanging law. It's written in the books, in other words, and it stands forever. He says, if you will diligently hearken. See, let me tell you why people get sick. Because they don't do this. See, a lot of times people will come to a meeting and get healed and go back to life as usual. That's not diligence. If you're in a dead church where they scream and, you know, all emotional and there's no power there and you hear about Jesus. Like the woman with the issue of blood, a lot of people in the Bible did that. You hear about him and you follow your faith to where it leads you to receive your healing. And, and so you receive your healing, but then you go back to the emotional church that doesn't feed your faith, that doesn't feed you the word. You get sick again because you don't obey this. Huh? See, these things aren't mysteries. They're pretty pretty cut and dry as far as the word's concerned. Amen. If people keep, keep getting sick, something ain't right. right. It's not that they're not saved. It's not that they haven't received the atonement. It's something in 
something they should be doing diligently that they don't do diligently. They do it every now and then. Or they expect to get sick and they go back. There's word of faith people who are like that. They'll, they'll tell you, oh, no, this isn't what this scripture means. That doesn't mean you can't get disease. Oh, yeah, it does mean you can't get disease. Because if God says he don't have none for you, if you do that, that means he don't have none for you. You can prove that to yourself. You can get stupid and get symptoms because you quit reading your word like you're supposed to. You get away from the word and you start feeling not good. And then you get back in the word and you start, you say, how did I let that happen to me? Great woman of paste and flour. Huh? We do it all the time. You know, you, you get get the, something starts tingling in your hand wrong. You get Lomo over. I got the podcast on you this year. And I got the, you showing me they got the scriptures. That's diligent. That's diligent. Huh? Don't be crazy. Be diligent. Don't, don't think, you know, that that ain't going to work. That works. God didn't say it had to be pretty. He didn't say it had to be like <clears throat> so many eyes straight and so many this and so he didn't say none of that. He said diligence. Yeah. You know what diligent means? It means like when you was when you almost was failing and the teacher said, If you do this term paper, I'll wipe all them F's out and give you a, a at least a B or a C. You got hard down in that thing. That's diligence. It's either flunk you got me? And your daddy done already told you don't bring no more F's up in there. So you get real diligent. Hmm? Diligent means to be studious, to give it the attention of a student. You want to learn what this means. You're not See, there's a difference between quoting some scriptures to yourself. And diligently hearkening to the voice of the Lord your God. You got me? Want to do right. Quit wanting to get away with something. We got more Christians wanting to get away with stuff. But see, I, I, don't think, I, don't, I don't believe in just confessing all. You really don't? What you believe in confessing? The devil's word? I know you don't believe in it because you're sick with your crazy self. Well, I believe in this and I believe in it. He says here, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, do that which is right in his sight. Huh? The love commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind. Love him first. You understand? We, we are so people. Goofy. You know, we want people to really love us, and then we treat them bad, try to make them think we don't. Do that which is right in his sight. Listen to your conscience that's being bear witness with by the Holy Spirit. You got me? 
Renew your mind in the word of God. Fight them thoughts that tell you it's okay to be a sloppy Christian. It's okay to do this. It's okay. You know, God understands. Stop that stuff. God has no understanding of sin. And he don't want to understand it. Understanding means you have intimate contact with something. He don't understand sin. That's why he says, that's why he purged it, got rid of it, don't do it. Live for me. You got me? That's his attitude about it. And he said, if you do that which is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all of his rules. What do you do when you don't keep them? You confess because you receive the atonement. See, this isn't a disqualifier. This is a qualifier. Are you kidding me? This is the great qualifier. God, I've done everything that I know to do right today. I've followed my conscience by the Holy Spirit. If I've caused offense to somebody, I'm sorry. Show me who it is. I'll go make it right with them. You understand me? Keep the love covenant. Keep, keep a peace between you and the brethren. Keep fellowship open. And he says, I'll put none of the diseases on you. He said, I won't give you not one. He says, all you got to do is obey me, seek to do what's right before me. In other words, be conscious of what I want you to do. Be conscious of of my my thoughts in your heart, my heart beating as your heart beats. Let's be one in this. Be my partner in life. You got me? He says, and and I won't put any of diseases upon you that I bought on sinners. Diseases for sinners. You got me? But even if they will repent and believe, they can get cleansed. You understand me? This is open for everybody. So God wants to include us and not exclude us. So this is an inclusion scripture. This includes you in the redeemed. This includes you in the, the, the none of the diseases. But I don't feel good. I don't care if you don't feel good. It ain't disease. According to this. But see, the doctor says, I have so-and-so and such-and-such. You're going to believe the doctor? You're going to believe God? Well, does that mean you don't believe in disease? Not for, not for believers, I don't. Not for the blood-bought, I don't. If God says he won't put any on you, he don't put none on you. You've got to be diligent about it. You can't be sometime of, well, I used to try that and then it didn't work for me. You can't be that kind of person. You've got to be sold out and know that this works. So God does not punish the redeemed with sickness. Our sins are forgiven. I've seen people who are, you know, who've received the atonement. Try to be sick. I don't feel good. Doctor, I went to the doctor, ran some tests. They couldn't find nothing. You're living that. They got sense enough to know it. You know, sometimes people just just love God and want to live right. And they never get sick. They live to be like a hundred and something and never had a sick day in their life. They've received that. They may not even know that scripture's in there. 
But do you know by the Holy Ghost you can live scriptures and not even have seen them in the Bible? A little uh, Pastor Kirkwood in our old building where we were. Sis, pray for me, sis. Don't forget, pray for me, sis. He had everybody. I, I don't think there was a person. All the people in his church always prayed for him. Pray for me, sis. Going in the doctor, going to the hospital. I said, well, well, when he came out, I said, well, how are you doing? He said, couldn't find nothing, couldn't find nothing. I said, because there's nothing there. I said, God doesn't put diseases on his people. Yes, yeah, sis, but pray for me, sis. Pray for me. He never let go of that. Huh? <clears throat> but he was always disease free. He said, they say it's probably my nerves, but I don't know. I don't feel nervous. I said, <laughs> yeah. His mother lived to be like 102 or something like that. Huh? A lot of long livers in his. They're godly Pentecostal people. They live for God and they don't play. And they make it known. They live for God. Maybe their only sin is like beige suits with beige shoes. A small fashion faux pas, but you understand what I'm saying. That's that's as wild as they get. (laughs) I'm healed because I believe Proverbs 4.20-22. to That if sickness attacks my body. Now, there's different from being, having disease, and sickness attacking your body. You can't stop the devil for trying to make you think you're sick. He's going to do it. If he can throw a symptom your way or something. You know, there's, there's a, a higher degree of spiritual wickedness released now. Where... The enemy can attack you in such a way that the symptoms are so real, your soul wants to start accepting it. You got me? It means you just have to double up your diligence fighting him. You just have to double up on that. And you can't afford to feel sorry for yourself. You got to kick that devil out, period. You don't go there, okay? But the enemy wants us to feel and justify sickness. Proverbs 4.20.22 says the word is medicine if you take it by ear. If you give it your full attention and take it by ear, it's medicine to you. If you take a daily dose of healing medicine, then it will keep you free from sickness symptoms. It will fight symptoms for you. Huh? It will fight symptoms for you. If you diligently hearken, Exodus fifteen twenty six again, if you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord, do that which is right in his sight. What's right in God's sight? Whatever, think about think about all the things that people tell you is wrong. Health wise. Can't eat too much. 
Salt can't eat too much. Fat can't eat too much. The list is like yay long. And then even if you're normal and nothing's wrong with you, you've got to have your colons bad. So you've got to have a colon cleanse or a colon blow or whatever they call it. Huh? Well, sure. Because in the sinner's mind, he's always fighting illness because he knows he's got it coming. This stuff is not for the believer. It is not for the blood-bought. It is not for us. We do what's right in God's sight. In God's sight, it's worship him, love humanity, live peacefully with all brethren. It's spiritual things. It's not physical what you eat. There is no right and wrong food. There's either too little or too much of it. Let's solve world hunger. You be careful letting that stuff go in your ear. You have to be careful what you hear. You've got to be careful how you hear it. You have to be careful that the devil doesn't take a, 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 a different level of power and put it on words and they cut through your word defense in your mind. See, he sends words that will break through on that. Because you'll sit up and you, you say, well, you know what? I have been kind of feeling a little. I wonder if it's because of. Diligently hearken to his voice. Just sit at God's feet and listen to what he wants to tell you. And then go do what's right. And you're disease free. You're entitled to live disease free. Because you do what's right. I believe the word heals me when I give my full attention to it. And meditate upon it. It becomes medicine to me. When I hide the word in my heart. I make a deliberate attempt to hold on to it. And use it when I'm under attack in my mind or my body. So I hide it in my heart as a weapon that will come out when the enemy attacks me with symptoms of disease. My soul is at rest and I avoid looking for reasons why I am not healed. I avoid looking for reasons why I don't feel good. I avoid looking for reasons why something hasn't happened because it already has happened. You have to accept that it's already happened. When you, accept, when you receive the atonement, you receive healing. I believe I'm healed because I believe Jesus healed all who were oppressed of the devil. Acts 10.38 He lives in me. He is healing me even now when the devil tries to oppress me. I'm not afraid of what the devil might say to me. I'm not afraid of what the enemy would try and do to me. Because Jesus always has the answer. 
God is with him and he was with him when he walked the earth and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. No disease was ever left out. There is no disease that the word of God cannot heal. There is no disease that diligently focusing on the word of God will not take care of. Diligent. What happens many times is we get the word until we get relief instead of getting healed. And I kept telling myself, I said, I'm going to stop doing that, getting halfway. Because pretty soon all these halfways are going to start adding up if I don't take care of them. You got me? And so we have to take care of that whole thing. You want healed. You don't want just feeling better. And I believe I'm healed lastly because Romans 8.28 tells me that all things work together for my good. Nothing bad is going to be a result. There's no, never going to be a bad result in my life because the Holy Spirit prays for me. He takes care of me. He is my helper in all things. Romans 8.28 says <clears throat> 26 likewise the spirit also helps our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit himself in other words when you don't have a clue the holy spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So the Holy Spirit inside of you is cranking out revelation, understanding, and answers for you at all times. You ever have a God moment like out of nowhere there's like a flash of inspiration hits you? Like the Cece was telling me, God dropped that in my spirit this morning. I said, I say he dropped you on your head. You know, he always telling me little religious stuff to irritate me. That dropped in my that dropped in my spirit this morning. And I know what he meant, but I wasn't gonna give it to him just that quick. I was gonna make him work for it. But it's just a God revelation that comes out of nowhere. That's the result of this. You didn't ask for it, you didn't know to ask for it. You didn't, almost didn't know there was a problem there. But you know God imparted something to you. He gave you a word. He gave you a peace. He gave you an understanding. He gave you something of a deposit that came, just, just it came. And that's because the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us because we don't know anything. We're not aware how we need to pray. We're not aware of what our need is. We can't articulate what it is that's missing. We don't even know something's missing. But we do know that he, he makes utterance for us. He does this for us. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So God works with the Holy Spirit. Jesus works with the Holy Spirit. And so we know the mind of God. He makes intercession for us according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit will never pull you out of God's will. It's the best way to stay in the will of God is to pray in the Holy Ghost. 
He says, for whom he did foreknow, sorry, um, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good, not bad. We don't expect bad. We expect good. Even when you have symptoms, you expect good. Even when you, you, you know, let the devil push you to go to the doctor, you expect good. Like getting up off the table. I remember when Howard was, had turned himself in and thought he was going to go through a heart procedure and all that kind of stuff. I said, Howard, come on, you told me you were going to get your blood pressure checked or something. Like, how'd you wind up in a gown? He's calling Pastor Shirley. He's calling me. We tell him the same thing. Howard. Howard, you can leave anytime you want to. Now, people say, you told him to leave the hospital. You don't know. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Because I know the will of God. I know it's going to work for his good. I'm not trying to prove that I know something. I know something. And I know what God's told me about him. And I know he's walked in divine health, and it's in there somewhere. So when they were going to do the the procedure and the machine broke down, that's when Howard finally realized, oh, I guess I am healed. Left the hospital. Got me? See, you can laugh at the devil. People out there, this scares them. You got me? This kind of talk scares them. Well, how dare you give them false hope? Hoping God is never false. We're not hoping in doctors. We're not hoping in some maybe. We're hoping in God. It's never false. You kidding me? That's a blessed hope. I don't fear symptoms. Though I may become angry or upset when they come upon me. I trust that the Holy Spirit has a plan for my ultimate freedom from all disease. He has a plan. He has a plan for my freedom from all disease. He makes intercession for me to be healed. He makes intercession for me to be healed. Not maybe. He makes intercession for me to be healed. He wants me well. I have a covenant in Jesus' blood that says I am healed. I make my stand with God against disease. If God be for me, who can be against me? As long as I continue to believe, he continues to make intercession for me. That's his go-ahead signal. Is my belief, my faith in, in the word of God. So as we believe God and as we trust God, we have grounds to believe that we are healed because of these things. We're not away from God. We're not estranged from God this isn't some mystery there's nothing that's that's going to come down that's new that we haven't heard of that we need to know about to get rid of symptoms to get free from disease to get free from sickness there's nothing new folks it's already written 
we've received the atonement. He doesn't, he doesn't give us sickness. It's not for us. He didn't put it on you. If God didn't give it to you, you don't have to receive it. You have a right to refuse it. See, this is the thing. We belong to God. We are blood-bought. We are redeemed. We are purchased out of the devil's power so we don't have to receive anything from him. What the devil wants to do is make us think we're deserving of sickness. Well, look at you. You sat up there and ate all them pig feet. Yeah, devil, and guess what? If I had some more, if I had some more hot sauce, I'd have me another one because I think I got room for one more. Uh, huh? Eat all that salty pork and pork rinds and she got on this and huh? Yeah, we had all of that. Had it in English, Spanish. If you send me some Russian pork rinds in here, I eat them too. Bless them and throw down. Huh? We're not to condemn somebody because of what they eat. Huh? You don't condemn people. Now there's some some places where we all need help. You got me? Some people some people are too concerned about what they eat. They need to be delivered too. You, you got me along with the ones. You know, I mean, we all need some help. Come on now. But I'm telling you, disease is not for us. You don't have to have it. You don't have to succumb to it. You can resist. I've been resisting doctors for 35 years. I don't go. You got me? I mean, I go to the dentist because it hurts. You know, whatever. But I ain't rushing up there all the time. Like, you know, like I can't live without them. You know, I work my word as best I can in the meantime, but I'm not dying to get up in there. You understand me? Sometimes you'll get the, you think it's bad, and then you go and get in your word a little bit, and, and you put, put it off another year, two years, or whatever. I mean, this word works for us, folks. Why? Because we are redeemed from the curse of sickness. Amen. We are redeemed. We are blood-bought people, and that's everything. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for understanding the power of redemption, the power of the blood, the power of the atonement. We have received it. Those of us who have received Christ have received the atonement. And we thank you, Father. For giving your son to us, not just as a savior and a friend, but as our very life. We depend on him so much for our life. And we thank you for it and we bless you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. We're going to receive the offering. If you'll pass out the envelopes, we're going to do that very quickly. I'm going to turn it over to Miss Nola. We'll start passing out our gifts. And we will...